0: Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always
1: consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. As a CFP and RFC, George McReynolds' mission is to help people create compelling dreams for their future, the plans to attain them, and the time to enjoy them. This is the Prosper Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Prosper Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the show. As George and I talk about investing, finance, and retirement, on the docket today is Obsolete Retirement Planning Ideas. We'll get to that here in a second. But if you've got any questions or concerns, anytime you hear anything, just reach out to us. Let us know. Uh, Before you take any action, give George a call at 215-699-1050. What's going on, buddy? How are you this week? Hey, Mark. How are you? Doing pretty good. We are into October. This is our October show. Uh, we are taping it actually today on October because I had some power issues this week. So we're getting to tape this one right before we drop it online. So <laughs> You doing okay? You're welcome to October.
0: Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, wonderful. Uh, Starting
1: to we'll change colors closer. up there? Yeah, Are the, it, are the leaves changing?
0: Uh, a little bit. Uh, the, the Japanese maple maple is a, a bright red, uh-huh. uh, but we still got a lot of green around here.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, us too. Uh, It's actually 75, I think, today and sunny. It's really pretty outside. Uh, But anyway, just like uh, let's talk about our topic today, George, obsolete retirement planning ideas. Just like anything, technology kind of moves along. We're certainly technology driven nowadays, right? It seems like your phone doesn't isn't good for more than two years, whether it's another one comes out or just the fact that the batteries won't hold life, whatever. Same thing with laptops, right? A lot of things just get obsolete and we feel like they need to be replaced. So let's talk about some possibly outdated ideas, financially speaking, that people still cling to and are they outdated or are they still worth a look-see? Let's start with the 4% rule, pretty common. A lot of people know it, so I think that they can relate to it. It kind of makes sense to a lot of folks, but does it actually work or is it outdated?
0: Well, it's pretty outdated. Uh, For a lot of reasons, it's hard to get a 4% uh, return from, say, CDs or from uh, even treasuries. Insurance companies, which include the interest, they also give you back some of your principal. Uh, They have a tough time hitting 4% right now. I can tell you that looking over the last 10 to 20 years, the bond market was fantastic. But looking forward, I don't think it's going to look the same going forward as well. The biggest issue is we don't know what the returns are going to be. And even if we had a reliable method of seeing what the range could be, it's the order in which they occur can make or break a, a retirement plan. There's what's called sequence of return risk, and uh, I have a, an illustration. If anybody wants it, you can send me an email or give me a call, and uh, have a comparison between Willie be rich and Betty won't. And <laughs> Willie be rich over time, he averages eight percent, and he takes the same amount of money out as Betty. Betty gets a twelve percent, but Betty's money doesn't last the twenty years. She goes broke with even a higher return. Willie gets a lower return. Mm-hmm. Betty gets a higher average return. It's the order in which they occur. So if the bad news happens in the beginning, that ripples through the whole plan. So even though the return might bounce back, there may not be enough money there to bounce back and, and have it last. So yeah. the four percent rule doesn't cover the average dividends that are paid in, uh, on stocks. Uh, it certainly doesn't count. Uh, what you can get on a treasury bill or, or a bank CD. So, 4% rule is out. We, uh, we do what's called Monte Carlo simulation, where we simulate 1,000 30 year retirements, and then we see what's the probability of success. And that's, that's really the gold standard by which you would see if you're going to have enough money or not.
1: Okay. All right. I like that. Will he be, which, <coughs> will he be rich or Betty Waltz? <laughs> that's pretty good. All right. So that's the 4% rule. Yeah. When we've heard things like it's maybe more like the 2.9% rule or you know they've, they've been changing it over the years a little bit, but it still kind of gets that attention. So we thought we would bring that up and address that this week here on the podcast. What about this one? Now I know what this is and I'm pretty sure this is outdated, but I'm just curious to get your take on it. The 10 3 rule. Explain it to the listeners and then what do you think about it?
0: Well, the 10 3 rule says that over time, you can expect the 10% return from stocks, a 5% return from bonds and a 3% return on cash. (laughs) Yeah. Now, when you're done laughing, (laughs) we can explain why that's wrong, but uh, you certainly can't get 3% return on cash today. Right. Um, uh, There's just no way that you could get a 3% return unless you did something, you know, several years ago to lock in. You you might be getting
1: 0.3 if you're lucky, right? Right.
0: And, uh, the 5% from bonds, again, the treasury's less than 2%, and they're talking about keeping rates low at least the next two years. So uh, you're not going to get the 5% return from bonds. The 10% return from stocks, yeah, over a long period of time, that's right. But when we get to our next question, I'll explain why that can really be wrong as well.
1: Okay. All right, so yeah, that one definitely feels pretty pretty outdated as soon as you heard the the even the 5, you know, for their bonds, but the 3 definitely for the return on cash. Once upon a time, maybe so, but definitely not the case right now. So we're talking about these obsolete retirement planning ideas. We've gone through a couple. We're going to do a couple more here on the show this week. Stocks to bonds as we get older. Uh, this is not so much like the rule like the last two. This is just more that general concept that I think people have gotten so used to through time. We always hear as we age, let's move from stocks to bonds uh, to hopefully remove some risk.
0: Well, that's a great idea to remove some risk as you're getting older. But just simply doing it by moving from stocks to bonds, there have been long periods of time where bonds have been much riskier than stocks. And just this past year, back in May, the New York Times did a great article that showed that bonds actually outperformed stocks over the last 20 years. Hmm. Now, there's a couple of reasons. You go back 20 years, that was the crash of, uh, of 2000 and followed by uh, 2001. And then uh, we just recently had the, uh, the virus uh, correction. And uh, of course, it, it bounced back. But uh, I can promise you that the next 20 years in the bond market is not going to look anything like the last 10 years or the last five years. Um, bonds are almost paying zero, depending on the type. Uh, there's still talk of negative interest rates in the US. And uh, it's just unreliable assumption. But the fact that you should move from risky to less risky is a very valid point. But there's more ways to do it than just going into bonds. And the other issue is how do you turn it into income? besides bonds so mm. that's another great point uh, another challenge that you need to to address as well
1: great point yeah because a lot of times we do tend to get into this mode of there's only so many options right and I think it's just because it's what we typically hear uh, but there's such a there's a lot of vehicles financial vehicles out there but we tend to hear things like just moving from stocks to bond and think that's really our only option so again the, yeah that's yeah, great point the idea of peeling off some risk as we age is a good idea, but there's definitely more things out there than just some of those tried and trues that we're used to hearing. So keep that in mind when you're trying to put together your plan or working with an advisor, you might want to bring that up. And of course, if you're not, you can always reach out to George and let him know you need a little bit of help. Give him a jingle, have a conversation with him, go to his website, whatever you'd like to do. Lots of ways to do so. You can find it all at prosperpodcast.com. That's prosperpodcast.com. And you can even give us a little subscribe there on whatever app you like while you're there. All right. uh, Number four here, George, get to the point of having a million bucks in your retirement account. And that says you're ready for retirement. This just always drives me nuts. This has been around a while. And I guess I get it because a million dollars sounds like a good round, sexy number. And you get to say, hey, I'm a millionaire. But um, getting fixated on any one number may not be good for you.
0: Yes. Being a millionaire today is relatively easy compared to what it was like in, say, 1960. And um, the, the prices are going to go up. So that really doesn't address the fact that uh, your retirement is going to cost more tomorrow than it does today. And even though we're in a period of low inflation now, when you look at uh, what's happening with the federal budget, with a number of things, with what's going on with food and, and everything related to the virus, uh, I could tell you that, that that million dollars could really shrink pretty quickly. And uh, it also depends, really, what can you spend and how do you turn that into an income? So if you're putting it into the bank and getting a quarter of a percent, if you're going to live on $2,500 a year, you're doing pretty good. But if you're spending more than that, even if you get 3%, you know, that's $30,000 a year. Let's say you pretend you're getting the maximum on uh, Social Security. That could be like 65, dollars $66,000 a year. Can you live on $5,500 a month? Right after you pay taxes.
1: Um, Maybe, depending that, on where you that, live, that, right?
0: Because some, some people could. I just uh, updated my social security plan. I, I invested in a lot of recent uh, advanced education and some analytical tools, and I was the first guinea pig. And my uh, social security will be able to pay my mortgage, but I still want to have food with my meal. So I'm going to have to do something else. <laughs> and uh, I don't think a million dollars is going to be able to do it for me.
1: You still want to eat, um, huh?
0: Yeah, uh, food at every meal. That's that's rule number one. Boy,
1: I tell you, some people they the nerve, right? <laughs> yeah. No, that's a great point though, right? So I mean, a million dollars again, it does sound cool, but what if you need two, or what if you need less? I mean, so if you're living in the in the burbs of you know Philadelphia or in the city, you might need more than say somebody who's living out in the country. Uh, Or somebody who's living in a different state entirely. You know, it's it just depends Uh, your lifestyle, where you're living. You know, there's a lot of little factors that go into it. And so, I guess maybe using it as a, if it makes you feel good to head for that number, I suppose that's one thing. But make sure you're backing that up with data for what you really need, because it could also have the adverse effect where you feel like you're striving and striving and striving and never going to get there, and then you start to feel deflated. So. Find out exactly. It's really more about the income you need monthly than it is getting to a specific number. So, exactly. Bear that in mind. All right. Final one here this week on the podcast. We'll keep this one kind of short and sweet. It is that you'll need less income in retirement than you needed when you were working, kind of another retirement planning idea that maybe is obsolete. Now, we could probably take 2020 out of this equation because COVID may have made this a bit more possible because people just weren't going and doing things. But, You know, if you if you're saying you only need eighty percent of your income, like you did, or in retirement, excuse me, because you're not going to be doing as much. I feel like that's a falsehood in today's world. Again, aside from COVID, because people want to get out, we're healthier, we're more active, we want to do things. What's your thoughts?
0: Well, as long as your health is good, yes, people are moving around. They're they're taking trips. They're going out for entertainment. They're visiting relatives. Uh, They're working on the house. So yeah, in the early years, uh, you need a lot of money. But then over time, your healthcare expenses will go up.
1: Kind of offsets and it, right?
0: Exactly. Exactly. So you're not going to need less later. And the funniest thing is, uh, you know, I moved out here into the country and, and moved into a much bigger house. But everyone else my age, they say they're downsizing. But in most cases, they're spending an extra couple hundred thousand dollars for a smaller house. They're moving into a townhouse with a lot of amenities and, and they're making lots of improvements. And they're, they're not downsizing, at least financially. They're just downsizing in terms of square footage. So, yeah, I don't think your, your uh, taxes aren't going to go down. Your medical expenses aren't going to go down. Uh, your food prices aren't going to go down. Right. So what is going to go down? What, what's <laughs> going to cost you less tomorrow? Right. Maybe running shoes. You'll, you'll go through less running shoes. Right. But, uh, but I think overall, your, your total expenses are going to go up uh, on a regular basis. And, be- and at best, they'll stay level.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's possibly true for some folks. I don't want to say it's not possible. But I think in today's modern world, I mean, and like you mentioned earlier, you touched on inflation just a bit. We don't know if that's going to change. You know, taxes may be going up depending on what happens with the upcoming election. Uh, There's so many things to factor in. But even if you remove some of those variables, just the fact that if you've worked really hard or you've got yourself to retirement, you're probably going to want to do things to enjoy it. We call those the the go-go years early on. My dad used to say when he hit retirement, he didn't live very long, unfortunately. But he was like, man, every day's a Saturday and I always spend more money on Saturdays. So, you know, you, you can get into that situation pretty quickly. Yes. So a lot of things to consider here this week on the podcast. Obsolete retirement planning ideas, a few that we covered. Uh, Maybe you're thinking about those. Maybe those are something that was kind of in your uh, mindset or maybe even in your plan. So if that's the case and you need some help, you want to have a conversation, uh, reach out to George anytime. Give him a jingle. Let him know you want to chat. Before you take any action, call him at 215 699 1050. He's a wealth manager and chief tax strategist at Protective Wealth Care. So make sure you go check him out online at prosperpodcast.com. That's our podcast website. You can find uh, tools, tips, resources, links to all his other sites, as well as how to subscribe to the show again at prosperpodcast.com, or you can just go to mcwealth.com, mcwealth.com. George, my friend, Thanks for your time. Have yourself a great week. Welcome to October, and I'll talk to you in a few.
0: Thanks, Mark. Have a great week.
1: We'll see you next time here on the Prosper Podcast with George McReynolds. George McReynolds of McReynolds Wealth Management, registered principal. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member, FINRA SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and McReynolds Wealth Management are not affiliated. Advanced-level tax planning, income tax preparation, life coaching and time management consulting services, and fixed insurance products and services are separate and unrelated to Cambridge. Cambridge does not offer tax advice.